delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, a very good day to you. Welcome to episode 501 of the Two Techies for Saturday, March 28th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinize and explore the world of tech. On this week's episode, Facebook continues to play Big Brother. Crowdsourcing digitization efforts of old paper records. And Huawei release a new phone amid the COVID-19 pandemic. You're very welcome to what is episode 501 of our technology podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. This is, as I said, 501. I've been doing it for 10 years and two months now, I think, to the day, Aaron, really. Well, just a day or two short, but we'll go with it. And, and I think it was should we, should we, we haven't made it a thing yet. Should we make it a thing? Oh, I don't like you when you spring surprises on me. Well, well I mean, the show. We do it once a week. I, mean, we probably I don't know. Should. I think this is still the trial phase. We'll have to make a decision <laughs> at some point. True. They say it takes 10,000 hours to become a professional at something to become an expert. Only, uh, We've only done 501, so. Yeah, 9,500 episodes. Sorry, 9,499 episodes to go. Perfect. Clearly you haven't done 10,000 hours at mathematics yet. No? no? Mm. Touché. Hold on, hold on. I think I have the right sound effect. Some, but don't... No? Okay, never mind. It's fine. 500 episodes, kids. Well, you think we'd know what we were doing. Mm, it's all fun and games. Um, hopefully everyone is staying safe and sane during what is a very uncertain time and continues to be, obviously, around, and I'm sure you've heard it, you're sick of hearing it probably, this COVID-19 pandemic. It is having a knock-on effect in the world of technology. It's having a knock-on effect every were and of course in more important areas i guess what is great however is seeing the global response i guess from 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 the show's point of view from a global technology standpoint in terms of the companies which are doing their best both financially monetarily giving resource giving products trying to help develop systems in place to monitor track um, and and work with governmental organizations healthcare services and so on to to do what they can do their bit dyson this week have said they will manufacture fifteen thousand ventilators to at least the uk government and um i'm sure that effort's going on worldwide as well at the minute crazy i mean it, it was designed and manufactured in what as you said before the show 10 days yeah i think that was something i read is just like some i know a lot of uh, engineering firms and a lot of tech firms are, are putting resources to making ventilators they're obviously i believe having designs shared with them which they're then building i know um a bunch of the uk-based formula one teams you know very technologically advanced factories they're in a shutdown period they can't build cars at the moment you know they might as well do some good for the world Mm. um but to hear i believe dyson have basically invented something designed their own come up with it in in such a ridiculously short period of time i mean it just shows you how extremely talented a lot of these companies are um and i think i I said this to you earlier it's it's scary how 
how people and companies like this crisis, let's say this pandemic has really brought out the best and the worst of people um, and companies worldwide. It, it really does show it's done a good job. Good's not the word I want to use, but it's done a, an effective job of it. It shows companies that aren't led very well, don't have good ethos, you know, don't have a good backbone or a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conscience type thing. It's an, I think, a good job of like exploiting that. And there are obviously lots of businesses, um, small businesses, even bigger businesses that they don't necessarily work in a, let's say, a, a tech sector where now the UK has gone on to lockdown as there's many countries and I know parts of America have as well. Um, you know, there are many, many companies that can't work from home or, you know, can't adjust to, to this kind of way of life. It's just impossible. You know, if you make something physical or, or whatever, you know, you can't you can't do bricklaying in your living room. Um, but it's been absolutely fascinating to see how different companies have responded differently. Uh, you know, I've loved following uh, DHH on Twitter, who um, advocate for privacy, but also one of the founders of Basecamp, and he's a racing driver. There's a million reasons to follow him. Um, but he's done an amazing job of retweeting people and highlighting companies that have done well and companies that haven't done well, you know, especially when it comes to, to some draconian policies or, you know, telling their staff to like get on with it type thing. And it's just like I say, it's been a whirlwind of a couple of weeks. Um, for a lot of the rest of the world, it's been a whirlwind of a couple of months. Um, mm -hmm. You know, us, America and a few other countries are only really starting to feel it now. It's it's crazy out there. Um, I haven't, you know, I'm fortunate to work in a job that I can do remotely pretty easily. Um, I, I appreciate that's a, like a, a fortunate position. But aside from a, a one day or a once a day exercise that we're allowed, um, I've only I've only been going for my walk. Um, yesterday was the first time I actually went out to, to, to go and get some milk from the shops. Milk and eggs were the uh, thing I needed to get for a family member. It took me six different shops to find the eggs, which was crazy. Um, just the queues, just the absolute empty stores. It's like, this is insane. Like, I've never seen anything like it. It's so, it's really hard to describe what it's like to be out there. It's just weird. Like, there's still cars going around. Obviously, you notice that there's less traffic, but there's just this weird kind of feeling in the air. It's like when you when you pass anyone walking the other way, it's like you know you or the other person like skirt around them like they've I would say like they've got the plague, but literally weird, weird times. <laughs> yeah, literally indeed. And yeah, it is weird times. But as you say, both both extremes on both sides are shining through, and that stop is to some extent eye opening. Stop panic buying loo roll, people. It's weird. Mm, that's that's very true. As we said, uh, in, in terms of technology, we're going to keep a technology standpoint on the show, of course. But it does allude in some way to the, the global pandemic going on. Some stories don't, and in that case, we'll try and avoid it, because obviously it's nice to, to get away from it as well. Not that you can, but even for an, an albeit short amount of time. Until we go to some main news, or before we go to some main news, we'll go to the quick news. MacBook Air models with retina displays may have issues with their anti-reflective coating, causing the laptop screen to look blotchy. The anti-reflective coating used to help cut out the glare and make the display easier to see is prone to wearing off due to pressure from the laptop's keys and trackpad or the use of cleaning solutions. MacBook Airs with Retina displays launched back in October of 2018. Apple previously said that other Retina display laptops may experience the issue too, 
has included models of the 13 and 15 inch MacBook Pro and the discontinued 12 inch MacBooks that were released between 2015 and 2017. People staying at home due to the coronavirus pandemic appear to be listening to more radio rather than music apps. According to figures, Global, which owns Capital FM and talk station LBC, said one radio listening or sorry, online radio listening, rather, had risen by 15%. The BBC said streaming of its radio stations had risen 18% since last week. Meanwhile, data from two US analytics companies suggested the use of music streaming apps, such as Spotify, had dipped by about 8%. Quote, these figures indicate that the public are turning to radio in times of crisis. A global spokeswoman said that BBC Radio and Education Director James Purnell said people turned to us during significant events for our news and analytics but also for music, entertainment and companionship. The spending limit for contactless car payments will be increased from £30 to £45, with a national rollout beginning on the 1st of April this year. The decision to raise the limit was taken following consultation between the retail sector and the finance and payments industry, and follows similar increases in several other European countries over the past week. The changes were already under consideration by the industry, but the process has been expedited as part of the industry's response to the COVID-19 outbreak to support consumers who choose to pay using contactless at this time. And finally, Amazon is temporarily refusing to stock certain items in its warehouses to cope with overwhelming demand for household essentials due to the coronavirus pandemic. It means third-party sellers of non-essential items could find it difficult to ship orders to customers. The move will last until at least the 5th of April and cover warehouses in both the US and Europe. Some items, including many brands of toilet paper, remain out of stock on Amazon's UK website. The decision to restrict warehouse stocks to household essentials and medical supplies has been met with dismay by some sellers of other products. Quote, my sales just doubled and Amazon altered all my shipments, said one in a post on discussion sites online. This is absolutely crazy, wrote another though they have added that they have been prepared for disruption. Third-party sellers can still list and sell items on Amazon, but they would have to carry out packing and shipping of the products themselves. Yet another flaw in the Apple product lineup, which is just seeming to be a thing with Apple, whether it's their keyboard or the fact that their phone bends or that the antenna doesn't work or that the ribbon cable in the display just randomly breaks when you're closing the laptop in a laptop which is meant to close over. I mean, it's... Hmm. I, I, For a company that, that has a lot of money, you would think research and development should iron out a lot of these problems. Apparently not. I honestly never understand this issue. This is one of those long-running things that has plagued Apple laptops for a number of years now. This this truly does affect, I believe, all the Retina display. Bearing in mind, the Retina display was introduced to the MacBook lineup, I think, like, 2012 were the first MacBook process. Eight years. We're going on eight years now. I see it time and time and time again. I see so many MacBooks. There are so many MacBooks that work. Um, you know, like the 2015 ones, I think. Um, that they just just have that it i mean it genuinely looks like a coating is coming off and it's always looked weird i always thought before we kind of knew what was going on i just thought people absolutely bushed their displays when they tried to clean them or something and i know it it does say it can be affected by cleaning but it's just like this is not a new thing 
Um, I assume, you know, we've just got the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. We've just got the new MacBook Air, which we spoke about last week. Going to take a wild stab in the dark and say it probably still isn't fixed. The fact that it affects something that only came out six months ago. Um, it's just such a weird thing for Apple. It's like, this is a known problem. This has been a problem for years. It's not like it's a small problem. You know, I think if you've got a room of 10, 2015 MacBooks, let's say, guarantee you about half of them would have this issue. Like, it's not, not a small number. It's not, it's not like it's not widespread. I just don't understand how stuff like this isn't fixed. I appreciate it's not a glossy feature, no pun meant, um, <laughs> that you can like put some marketing on. You can say, oh, we fixed the fact that our displays are broken. You know, it's why they kind of skirted around with the keyboard so much. It's like you, you, you can't tell everyone you've gone back to the old keyboard because the previous one sucked so much. It doesn't it doesn't quite sell MacBooks so well. So, you know, I, I think we've we've talked about this, whether it be with, with Apple software, Apple hardware, hardware in recent years it's just especially with the likes of mac os it just feels like features for the sake of features like instead of improving things instead of fixing things instead of just like non-glamorous oh you can't make a whole web page about it bug fixes we always have to get a new half-baked feature hardware software whatever it is you know like i say mac os is like the, the shining example of this you know we're on a yearly release cycle where they have to talk about it on stage um so they have to have some new shiny features to talk about and all we end up with is macOS has like some of the same bugs it's had for like 10 years um, the new features all have their own bugs so it's just like more stuff doesn't work we just end up with a bunch of they've only had 8 months to develop it so it's just half baked um, that spans across iOS that spans across their hardware lineup in the Macs the iPhones everything like it's just it feels like Apple kind of wanted to become like, it, like it's a feature factory like they have to have something to talk about they can't go a year without releasing something or without releasing an iphone or you know without being seen to be making feature rich upgrades to ios or mac os it's just so disappointing i think so many people would be happy if they just went back and fixed this stuff fix the fact that your macbook displays are you know having this coating issue fix all the bugs in ios and mac os some, like like i say some of which have, they're not new they've been around for a while you know the touch bar like i read some someone today who had their touch bar lock up and it's like well i can't change the volume or the brightness now or anything like that it's just like it's just dumb stuff that just doesn't get fixed because they had to add shiny new feature x or shiny new feature y which will also be half-baked full of bugs mm. And it's not it's not unique to Apple, but it Apple will always want somewhat unique that it seems to happen repetitively, continuously, all the time. Exactly. Apple will always one of the companies where you went, everyone else does this. Everyone else is a feature factory. Everyone else doesn't fix it. Doesn't seem to take pride in the quality of their software. And Apple is the outlier in they do take pride. They don't make so many things, but the things they do make are done really well. And I know mm. roasted spectacles, Apple stuff has always had bugs. It's never been perfect. Trust me. You it all been there and whilst a very valid point i think the more and more apple make these days the more pies they have fingers in like it actually took a problem that i I guess always existed and it's just like massively blown it up like it puts it in the spotlight all of a sudden you know and you make so much stuff but you don't you know we've heard the stories we don't know how true they are but certain applications certain software like there isn't dedicated people to work on this stuff it's like the same person and this is all you know hearsay the same person who works on the mail app is also probably the same person who works on like eight different other apps you know there isn't a team that does this a team that does that it's like there is a software 
my team that just sort of have to juggle all the platforms and all the versions and all the you know this that and the other it's like mm. apple just it's a weird leadership time where like stuff like this is going eight years without being fixed it's just like what what is going on the apple was they were the company that were different now they just kind of feel like every other company is doing it better very true uh, listening habits for streaming content online have, have changed so radio is being listened to more music streaming down eight percent whilst radio listening up in some cases by 15 percent i guess that makes sense because number one people will li- tune into radio stations for news updates and also for something different for a voice especially those who are either on their own or you know i guess if you're stuck in a house with the same people for an extended period of time you might want something different to hear a different perspective and and you're going to get it through the radio you're also going to get communication with people you will not get from the outside world at the moment through that medium as well we'll be interesting to see our podcasting holds up in respect to those figures because i guess podcasting is radio in a form just on demand rather than live i actually think numbers for podcasting and and audiobooks and and kind of long form content long form audio content might actually be down i think Funny, most i mean yeah yeah i was just saying I, I think most people listen to that on their commute or in the office or, or whatever so obviously without that happening it, it the figures are probably going to reflect that yeah could could be the case i think for us it, it certain is in, in some respects but we also need to remember that march was a quiet month in terms of show so i <laughs> we can't draw true statistics ourselves unfortunately but yeah there, there could be that but it, it's good and the thing is and, and i think the theme for this episode especially when we talk about covid19 is that it has initiated trends and responses that may not have happened at all or would have happened but wouldn't have happened as quickly and they say it takes 21 days to, to build a new habit we we could see long-term effects from this in terms and i'm not talking about of course it'll be long-term medical effects and so on i'm not not <laughs> captain obvious but i mean in terms of behavior from people in all aspects exercise listening habit from for, for the likes of exercise to buying habits listening habits to music or shows to how we treat social gatherings when we're actually allowed to, to have them again you know that that kind of thing this could, it really could reshape in many different ways our appreciation of certain things and our realization of what's important what's not and so on and so forth and and i I'm trying to pick good things out of a bad thing at this moment. And of course, no one really wanted a global pandemic to do that. But unfortunately, that's the side effect of it. And I guess you you must view that as a good thing, right? Yeah, I um I think to go even further off on a tangent, I've seen many people say this. I worry for what this does for physical retail and whatnot. You know, physical retail or shopping, I should say. Not in a great space anyway. Um, You know, you probably go back to, let's say, the last recession, you know, 2007, 2008, when, when everything sort of... of uh, fell out of its backside. Um, retail has massively struggled. Retail's probably massively struggled since like the 90s. But now the fact that they've all been forced or most of them have been forced to close, it's like people will be exploring online options, you know, not necessarily because online is winning, but because online just, you know, you don't need people interaction. So, it, you know, it's still available and just happens to win at this point. It's like mm. I genuinely am scared to think how many shops are not going to be able to reopen after this and even if they do how many will actually last um it's gonna be very interesting to see um as you say people are gonna form new habits
habit. People are going to do things differently. Um, I think if we have to take any positive out of a negative, I think you're, you you raise an interesting point about things like fitness and whatnot. It's like, you know, now we're all told we're basically the only thing we can leave the house for is for exercise, you know, walk, a cycle, a run, whatever it is. It, people are damn well taking them up on that opportunity. It's like I, I've probably seen more people going for a run in the past like five or six days than, than I did before. Um, maybe I just notice it more. Um, but it's just, it's interesting. And the radio thing, um, I don't think seeing radio go up was it was a particularly big surprise. You raise a, an excellent point about the, it, it, it can give us a, a sense of human contact, let's say, you know, you, like you say, for those of us that I guess aren't isolated with other people, um, it, it's another voice, isn't it, that isn't singing to you. I'm just surprised that things like Spotify and, and whatnot are probably down. Um, maybe it's a, maybe it's a blip, maybe it's anomaly, an anomaly, like it's only two analytic sources, but yeah, that's, that's probably the more interesting one, I think. 100%. Contactless. So within the UK, I guess if you're listening from across the pond in America, it's not, it is a technology, but it's it's not really anywhere near as common trend at the minute, commonplace, right? Which is like, Contactless launched in 2003 over here. 2003, 17 years ago. It just sort of became a thing overnight. It's but like, it, come on America. It wasn't that popular up until 20... 20 what? I mean, it, the first contactless cards were issued in 2007. As of December 2014, there are approximately 58 million. Which is almost all of the population. And then 147,000 terminals. Yes. I, I wouldn't have said 2003, Arnold. Is that. I think it was is, like. Is fact it was, that or? It was like. Lord. Maybe the technology was yeah. more. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it, fair enough. The technology was, was definitely sort of coming to tuition then. But in terms of commonplace practice across the UK. So it went from what, 20 pounds to 30. Now it's going from 30 to 45. And that makes sense because what they're saying is, well, we were going to do it, but we're going to speed it up because of coronavirus yet again, something out of this. Um, it just goes to show how quickly we can actually do things. Do you ever do you ever find that? And sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent a minute. Do you ever focus on what you have to do? And I, I've, <laughs> I've been finding it myself for the last week or so. You've and, and in my head, I have so much to do right now, which I can do at home or I can get on with. That's fine. There's no issues. But I just have a lot of things in a lot of different areas that need my attention. And I'm I'm writing it all down and I'm prioritizing and I'm making a list and thinking of what what needs my attention and how I'm going to combat that and what email gets sent first and how I'm going to approach that obstacle and so on and so forth and the days passed and i've done jack nothing with it <laughs> i've spent more time preparing when i could have actually spent the time t- just doing one of the bloody tasks at hand unfortunately i um, think uh my uh as as i uh am able to work a, a job remotely my days are still exactly apart from a commute they're exactly the same as they were before um but but do you find that sometimes you you spend more time planning than you do doing the task now in saying that a failure to plan is a plan to fail but i think there's a, a bit of a leverage there but sorry my, my point i went tangent my point being we can do things a lot quicker when when we need to we can see that so dyson manufactured a not brand new theory but a brand new product for them the covent ventilator they're going to manufacture 10 to fifteen thousand of them they, they designed that in days in a week crazy um and and how long does a product normally take to research and develop we have now decided well we were 
We were thinking about rolling out contactless from 30 to 45, but eh, we were going to wait and see and debate it about 10 times and come back with an answer then. No, it's fine. April 1st, we'll do it. Just do it. Just get it done. Thanks. Crazy. The only other thing, at a moment of smugness not so long ago when I went to use my phone to pay contactless and the cashier said, oh, you can't use contactless above 30. Well, um, actually, I can on my phone. I didn't say on that one, but you know, in my head I was thinking, wait till you see. Bang, because it was too considerably uh, over 30. Um, and yeah, it was yeah. because it's authenticated. It's not, it is contactless, but it's authenticated contactless with your fingerprint. So that's the difference. Pull your smugness back slightly. There are still oh. a huge number of terminals that don't support the authenticated contactless method. So they are right in a lot of it. Well, they weren't in this case because it worked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to come up with that. <laughs> um, it's just, I'm actually just yeah. going through the list here. And it's actually interesting to see how many countries don't have a limit at all on contactless. We're so used mm. to the, the, the increasing the limit over here obviously like you say um any authenticated methods such as you know android pay or apple pay don't have limits for obvious reasons but mm. you know so many countries it's like hong kong no limit germany no limit um new zealand no limit netherlands no limit poland norway no limit russia romania you know S- spain no limit there's actually like a surprising number of countries on it that have no limit united states of america no limit they may still require a signature because welcome to 1982 um <laughs> I don't, America, I love everything about you. You're an incredible country. You know, you've pushed the technology boundaries of the world forward in huge ways. What the hell is with your payment system? <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to the rest of the world. It's like, sorry, you still just swipe credit cards. Sorry, you just have to take signature. What? <laughs> mm. Crazy. I appreciate it. it's not everywhere and every, everywhere is different and America's a big place and et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, it's just America. You will love it when, when Apple Pay is, or when, when, when any contact was payment but Apple Pay Android Pay whatever when it's accepted everywhere when it's like it's unusual for it not to be accepted rather than the other way around it is the best thing yeah. ever you know not having I probably pull my wallet out so little now I still carry it because I'm British and the last thing we want to happen is we want to be stood in the queue and like the phone isn't working or something you know again British don't want awkwardness um, so you still carry a card and you still carry some cash as well um just because you want to avoid any such situation of uh confrontation but yeah phone for everything um is absolutely amazing um i think the the limit going up is good i think the limit being expedited because of what's going on at the moment makes perfect sense not that there's anywhere to actually use it um of a strange one um but yeah i love contactless payment when it comes to things like uh, transport and whatnot um if you go to london or basically any train network in this country actually you can you can use your phone um to kind of tap through the terminals and it takes payment straight off your phone it's like this is amazing or your watch or anything mm. yeah well the technology changing 30 to 45 from the 1st of april this year so that will be wednesday no well, yes wednesday yes i was right so uh finally amazon block all non-essential items to the warehouse. Well, I guess that makes sense. Um, you, you can't really expect anyone to to expect other. You know, Amazon are trying to, I guess, keep up with demand as well in in some respects because people are are buying huge quantities of things that they probably don't need. Um, and what 
don't need in two ways. So don't need because it's not necessary to have that many of them, i.e. ordering 100 toilet rolls, or don't need as in don't need during the pandemic. So so it kind of, yeah, it's interesting. So Amazon just, they're doing what they're doing to protect their business and I guess to, to play their part in the response as well until the 5th of April at least. Have you seen that some Prime items, I, I was looking to order something, that, I mean, I, I would like to get ASAP and I was estimated delivery of the, the item or any comparable items for that matter. It wasn't just that one. 26th of April, and that was yesterday. Blimey, I, I actually, uh, I've lost, sorry, misplaced, um, <laughs> one of the wonderful headphone adapters for my iPhone, because not having a headphone jack is courage. Um, so I had to order some more, and I was looking at the Apple ones on Amazon, this was yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh yeah, I'll just get it, you know, same day or one day. Um, and then it was like, oh, the Apple one, it'll be with you in two weeks. Like, yep. okay. And then I man- managed to find one that wasn't probably gouge ridiculously that would be here mm. one day delivery it's crazy how we've uh, we've just got used to the now culture of amazon <laughs> that when it changes i mean 26th of april is obviously not even close but some stuff where it's like three to four days it's like you're having a laugh <laughs> Amazon are also apparently pushing results down of items that are available quicker. And that would obviously be to alleviate pressure and strains that their warehouses and distribution networks are failing right now. But what they're doing is pushing to the top those items that take longer to deliver. So there are items that can be here in a day or two days. But for the most part, the results are saying, nope, it's three, four weeks. Which, again, I'm, I'm not going to complain. We're in different and very strange times right now. So just, you, you, we'll get over it. We'll survive. More than survive. Speaking of coronavirus, funnily enough, um, Zoom, 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 the iOS app, the video sharing conference sort of Skype alternative, I guess you could say. That, that's a fair enough analogy, right? I haven't used it, so I can't, it's, I can't 100% say, but I mean, that's, that's essentially what it is. Video nope. conferencing, web conferencing, that type of thing. And for some reason, their iOS app was quietly sending data to Facebook, even if you didn't have an account. Now, to, to point out, they've stopped doing it, supposedly. They have come out and said, no, we'll not do that anymore. But why were they in the first place? The Zoom iOS app sharing data with Facebook without declaring it in the privacy policy. Alarm bells, alarm bells. Um, and, and that's whether you have a Facebook account or not. Data shared with Facebook includes your iPhone or iPad model, your time zone, city, phone carrier, and unique identifier, which can be used for ad targeting. Uh, discovery made by an online tech site was confirmed by iOS security researcher Will Straffa. Upon downloading and opening the app, Zoom connects to Facebook's Graph API. The Graph API is the main way developers get data in or out of Facebook. Zoom is not forthcoming with the data collection or the transfer of it to Facebook. Zoom's policy says the company may collect users' Facebook profile information, but doesn't explicitly mention anything about sending data to Facebook on Zoom users who don't have a Facebook account at all. Um, I think that breaches GDPR, if if you ask me, they haven't even dis- disclosed it in the, the privacy policy. I mean, if, if you read, it would be a big enough scandal if they weren't forthcoming about it and it was in the privacy policy. But to completely forgo even mentioning it is quite scary, if you ask me. I mean, it's just, I don't know if you remember, um, this is probably going back a year, maybe two, maybe more. Zoom were the same company that were found to be installing some kind of 
I don't think it was dodgy as in nefarious, but I believe they were installing some kind of server or something on Mac. Now, I believe this was as, as part of the app, um, mm. some kind of web server or something. But it's like, this is not the first time Zoom have been caught out. Um, Zoom have basically hit the spotlight because they are, as you said, a web conferencing app, a video conferencing app, a very popular one. Obviously, with most companies or a huge majority of companies, you know, moving to remote work at the moment, video conferencing have, has obviously exploded. The use of Zoom has also exploded. You've got alternatives like Microsoft Teams, Google Hangout. Um, weird how Skype comes up in none of the conversations. It's <laughs> funny how it's just been by the wayside. You know, even Microsoft, it's Microsoft Teams. Um, but with the explosion of popularity of things like Zoom, here come people, rightfully so, analyzing everything it does. Um, we don't seem to be able to have anything nice in this world anymore without there being some kind of it does this, it tracks that, it has this ulterior motive and zoom have done some stuff in the past there are many companies that have done things in the past where we've probably covered it and it's been like maybe an accident maybe an oversight you know they're not sharing anything too crazy you know there are a lot of headline grabbing stuff out there in the past this is just all kinds of how did it get left out the, the privacy policy is like a huge red flag as, as you said um why is it collecting this information and sending it to facebook even even if you don't have a Facebook account, maybe it makes sense. Um, again, this whole login with social media thing has kind of been backfiring for a good few years now. It's one of the reasons I think last WWDC or DubDub, um, Apple made a song and dance over that sign in with Apple. I think Apple were just sick of everyone's crap. Um, they're like, this is completely anonymous. When you click sign in with Apple, you can go, do you want this app to know your email address or do you want us to create a like spoof address that will forward to your real one like just sick of all the crap that the social media ones do because every, you know so many people for the sake of convenience will use these sign in with google sign in with facebook or twitter or whatever because it's like a one-click button at this point um i've had so many stories of people who um they'll sign in with one of those things and then they'll lose access to one or the other and it just like wipes out like 15 and things that you suddenly can't log into um people don't use those things just sign up if you can just sign with an email just do it um but so many apps use those that that software for, for convenience that sdk it's an sdk provided by the company in this case by facebook um and often some kind of analytics will end up back with facebook yeah, the, the, the big draw here is that why is it ending up back at facebook if you don't have a facebook account and it sounds like it's even doing it if you don't have a facebook account and you didn't log in using the facebook option i believe um the privacy profile makes it sound like it only collects this information when you use Facebook to log in. Again, doesn't say you have to have a Facebook account or not. Obviously, it's an assumed thing at that point. Um, but yeah, is this a mistake? Is this an accident? You'd like to think so. You'd like to think it's just an oversight. I appreciate it breaches like a laundry list of regulations, but benefit the doubt. I'd still like to believe it was not intentional. But yeah, it's... I, I I can't believe that though. I it would be great, but in no way any technology company must be aware of number one, and maybe that's exactly why aware of the the connection and the. Uh, negative correlation between Facebook and advertising and users and and and, and that whole thing and 
I think it was a deliberate act to not include it in the privacy policy. I think 100%. Is, so with you on that, I'm just looking at their response. And there is a good point. I've worked with the Facebook SDK in mobile apps before, and I can tell you, like, their documentation is nigh on impossible. Like, you don't know mm. what it's doing. So what do you have to include in your privacy policy? I don't know. Um, but it well. does say here, uh, Zoom takes its users' privacy extremely seriously. We originally implemented the login with Facebook feature using the Facebook SDK. Again, this is an SDK available to everybody um, in order to provide our users with another convenient way to access our platform. However, we were recently made aware that the Facebook SDK was collecting unnecessary device data as a statement from Zoom this week. Take it, you know, believe them or don't believe them. Um, I can attest to the fact that the Facebook SDK can change at any point uh, without notification. You know, there's no... We're focusing so much on, like, Zoom are the bad guy, but it's like, actually, it's Facebook SDK that's doing this. Um, surprise! Yeah, but they Facebook didn't, they the didn't even privacy. refer to the fact that the SDK was used within their privacy policy. That, I'm not so worried about. Oh, uh, they did. You, you would think that... Go ahead. They, they did. Um, not in it, the first instance. Yeah. It says, uh, Zoom's policy says the company may collect users' Facebook profile information when you use the Facebook to log into our product or to create an account for our product. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is them Fine. saying they use the SDK. Facebook profile information doesn't say if you don't have an account, we will send information about you to Facebook. That's that, different. That's what I'm saying. But Zuma, Zoom is saying they're not aware it was doing that because they're not the ones doing that, mm. if that makes sense. The Facebook SDK is a library. It runs as its own module in the app. It will do as it pleases. Um, it'll have its own analytics platform in this module. You'd be surprised how like a monstrosity these libraries are to, to use these days. Um, <laughs> they're like all seeing and doing. Uh, I don't want to defend Zoom too much. I just don't think we can shy away from the fact that this is Facebook's problem as much as it's Zoom's problem. Zoom yeah, should have right. known. Facebook shouldn't have facilitated it. Um, just as a side note, what I was saying earlier, um, this is what I was talking about. It's not the first time there's been a privacy issue with Zoom. Major vulnerability last year meant that websites were able to activate Mac webcams. This is via the web server thing they installed without first asking permission. Um, and it was recently suggested that the host can monitor other apps in use that this appears to apply only to corporately managed machines. Not something that's majorly uncommon with corporate stuff. But that whole Mac webcams, Mac webcams without first asking permission. Obviously, the Mac has a whole, you know, plethora of privacy boxes and allow this and deny this and click that and click that. You know, got a million things you have to jump through before your webcam will turn on. Um, but it seems they are the bypass, which I believe is what we spoke about last year on the show. So this ain't their first rodeo. Put it like that. Well, second strike, three in your right kind of thing, right? This is really cool. And it, it perked my attention through the week. Help is needed to rescue UK's old rainfall records. And essentially, it's crowdfunding. Well, not crowdfunding. Crowd surfing. Surfing? I, sourcing. Crowd oh, sourcing. The, the crowdsourcing. Crowd surfing. surfing. It's, the, it's the, the crowd surfing. The Met Office <laughs> employees <laughs> are going to go and surf on top of a crowd. <laughs> there are no crowds. You're not allowed them. Touche. Exactly. Stay yeah. at home, kids. So crowd sourcing. That, that's exactly surfing. the word I was looking for. We're going we're gonna to refer to it as surfing. <laughs> <laughs> it's also apt with rainfall. For, oh, yes, I got... Yes, I like what you did there. So, essentially, UK rainfall records, for the most part, dating back from... They began in 1931. 
They were obviously not done through a computer because computers did not exist. So they were taken by hand, which is crazy. And these records were kept so well and so accurately too. Just makes you realize how mundane and difficult life would have been without the technology. And we really do take it for granted that the brain falls just automatically um, sourced and and recorded now through rain gauges. The rain gauge closes over for the 24-hour period. The rain will fall into it. It will measure how many milliliters or centimeters of rain is fallen it will then open up and release the rain away and it will log it through a computer 100% automatic can gain the averages the totals the, the extremes the lows crazy so if you're at a loss of what to do with your self-isolation time you can get online and help with this huge digitization effort the uk has rainfall records dating back 200 years or so the vast majority are in handwritten form can easily be used to analyze past birth of flooding flooding or drought um, I think the real record collection started 1931. I, I could be talking complete rubbish. Please don't take that for forbidden. But um, yeah, so really only a certain number of years of very dense data, but there are records dating back 200 years. Um, you're not required to rummage through old bound volumes. The Met Office has already scanned the necessary documents, 65,000 sheets worth to be exact. So there is a link. We will include it online over at munchtech.tv on episode 501's show notes. But essentially, it's, I, I did a few through the week there. I think I did about two or three, not very many at all. But something is better than nothing. And even if you want to do a few, that you know, it's, it's a few less um, to do. Crazy. And it's, it, I don't know, it's something nice about that. Something communal on a, a global scale. And digitization of, of documents, I guess, is, is no bad thing. Um, in fact, old archive documents, it, it's fantastic. It's something I'm trying to do in house. You know, you have old photos and you have um, CDs of old photos and your analog ones and, and really digitizing them would be the best thing to do. And I started it many, 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 many years ago and never really finished. So maybe that will be another project during lockdown. Who knows? It's just very time consuming, isn't it? Yeah, but it's if we all crowd surf this information... <laughs> Um, it's like it's a fascinating thing. I you I love data and graphs and all stuff like that. Looking at it, not intelligent enough to create art, but um, I, I this is an absolutely fascinating idea. Um, it's sixty five thousand sheets. It's like, can you imagine doing that on an office scanner? It'll take you a long time. <laughs> Poor interns. Um, <laughs> but uh, work experience at the med office. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. You think it'll be really fun? <laughs> With uh, they'll bring a whole new meaning to the word depression. Weather system. No, oh, okay, God. Look at, yeah. look at the geography major. Look at him go. Mm. Um, but I think the idea of crowdsourcing this information, just putting it all online and going, you guys figure it out, is I love that. Um, I, I mean, it sounds like you've already done some. Is there much verification in there? I guess, you know, something or someone must be looking for anomalies. Like if you accidentally, instead of put 1.8 millimeters, if you accidentally put 1.8 meters or something like that. I don't that. know. I, I, I did query that myself and i i didn't go as far as to actually put something in correctly in on purpose because i thought that would just be a really well stingy move so i I didn't um but i i do wonder if there is any you know are they using ocr to predict what should be put in and then I, i don't know it's interesting um like I say, I assume there's there's going to be some something that, you know, if there's a huge spike on the graph, it's like, well, that's not right. Um, mm. Or but- are they cross-checking, you know, randomly ones that come through? Or are they, yep, are they 
you know, trying to build, is, is the system self-learning through AI? Is it saying, well, every month so far up until that year was about average. This year's really off the cards. Mm, put it to review pile. I don't know. There, there must be some sort of cross checks in place. I would love to find out, to be honest, that, 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 yeah, that would be interesting to see what they're doing with it or whether they're just taking people's word for it or I'm really getting stuck up here, whether, you know, so they'll, they'll give you say paper 1002 and you, you put it in and then I go three days later. Do they give you 1000? and two again to put in and if they don't match up will they then flag it i, d- I don't know i don't know it's hard hard to, to, to fully determine but what this does show is there actually are some really good causations going online I, and not just this you know but this is this is it, chinese proverbs many hands make light work it's so true so true i'd love to see if there's more stuff like this like the met office I mean, many government organizations around the world, but just specifically the UK, there must be so much information that like they want to digitize in some way, but, you know, through lack of sheer, you know, people power, they can't do it. So I love the idea of putting it out to the general public to fix it. You know, I guess they have to kind of hope that people, you know, don't break it or, or, you know, don't put it in wrong. You know, it's all the benefit of all of our future. It's just a nice thing to do. Um, you, You do have to put a little bit of, of trust in people um i would love to see if like the open source community gets a hold of this and like see if they can find a way of automating it like doing it properly but like can someone build something to try and automate stuff like this would be really cool um like it becomes a technical challenge and you know when you throw challenges at people often you know people love it um but yeah i'd love to know what else is there what else can we do or you know what's next what are, what are, what are the you know records are yeah you know so, so many of these organizations government must have so much stuff screwed away um you know i dread to think you know in deep buried bits of london you know how many filing cabinets and rooms are probably just like full of stuff that you know hasn't seen the light of day in 50 years type thing you know how many records or meeting notes or i don't know you know receipts just like all these fascinating stuff that could be digitized um i think it would be really cool to see more of this happen um so yeah i absolutely love this type of thing and uh i just want to try and do some myself what's it called it's the rainfall rescue project love that name i'm gonna do i'm gonna go do some crowd surfing well you're you're not letting that go are you (laughs) wow if you're really keen I can send you a few hundred or a few thousand family photographs that need scanned. It's it's Ooh. fine. I mean, that no. We uh, no. we okay. did ours a few years ago. It ain't fun. <laughs> no, but I guess that the the sheer pleasure at the end of getting to the end of it and having it all done must be something. It, it's that else. feeling of knowing. God forbid if something happened to your house, you know, mm. blood, fire, whatever. That those precious memories because so much stuff can be replaced. Computers, you know, it can be replaced. Cameras, it can be replaced. You know, physical things yeah. can be replaced. So much you know your music library can be replaced um but like the one thing that can't be replaced is your photo library you know if whether it be you know you only have one copy and it's physically or you only have one copy and it's digitally they're both as bad as each other um i've heard so many stories of people who have had a stack of photos and they're like it's always been that yep gonna digitize them yep gonna do it yep gonna do it and then something tragic has happened blood fire whatever and then it, it was the thing they never got around to and it's just gone you know you can't take those pictures again you can't get those memories back you know it's just that's it they're gone um it's not a fun task in any way like you say if we can, can we crowdsource uh can we crowdsource surf it sorry um <laughs> 
that would be great. But it's like, to everyone out there, public service announcement. If you have a stack of family photos, of photos of whatever, and it's one copy, please scan them in, store them in multiple places. There will be at some point you will thank someone for that advice. It is like, it, just do it. Trust me. Um, I've heard too many horrible stories. And like I say, so many things can be replaced. The photo library is not one of them. Um, but just back on the uh, rainfall rescue crowd surfing project. Um, right. The joke's no longer funny. funny the funny thing is, there's actually going to be a point where I'm going to I'm gonna start accidentally saying <laughs> yeah, that now. Saying so it. I'm going to screw myself yeah. over. Don't worry. Um, they've actually got some statistics on their homepage. Already 24% complete. 32,000 classifications. 25,000 subjects. 11,000 volunteers. And 6,000 completed subjects. That's good going. Obviously, the likes of the BBC covering this is, is very positive. But it's dead easy to get started. You literally just go to the website. It goes, what year do you want to do? And you click it and then you start. It's like, there's no, I don't know. You know when so many things are like gamified and like, oh, you can, you know, try and look cool doing it and whatnot. It's like, it's no, nope. You're just helping out. Completely voluntary. I love it. Yeah. And if, if everyone did... 10, you know, 10 a day or one a day or something, just even contribute or something. So yeah, it's for a good cause. It's, it, and, and, and and some people will actually go as far as say, well, what, why? It seems a bit pointless. Well, it isn't because using past data, we can predict future events. And especially in the case of flood and drought, strategic planning makes that very important. So, and it is for the Met Office. So, hmm. Take of that what you will. There is a reason behind it, and there is a potential positive benefit from doing so. And so, for those who who need a reason to do something rather than just doing it for the sake of it, that is your reason. We're going to leave the Huawei story for next week because we ran out of time. At least we don't take up too much more of your time. Uh, for more episodes of the show, you can join us over at Munchtech.tv. If you're listening on your mobile device, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile for our ultimate guide to podcasting, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide, and of course, podcastassist.com. For our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. And last but not least, our interview with Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple Computing Pioneer and Engineering Genius, munchtech.tv forward slash was. Aaron's away to do some crowd surfing. Oh yeah. I'm away to do some crowdsourcing, I think. Until then, stay safe, have a good week, and we'll see you next week on episode 502. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.